Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb. Welcome, everyone, to MotorWeek podcast number 210. I'm John Davis, along with our staff here in Studio C at MotorWeek World Headquarters. We're joined today by writer-producer Brian Robinson. Hello, John. Assistant road test, I'm I'm sorry, road test producer Ben Davis. Hello. And assistant road test producer Kyle Scanlon. Hello. And our online content coordinator and the producer of our podcast, Greg Carlos. Oh, boy. In person. All right, we've got several cars to talk about. We've got a lightning round, a viewer question from Steve. We'll see if we have any rant and raves. But let's start right at the top. 2020 Cadillac XT6. Greg, you've got up close and personal with it. 3.6 liter V6, 310 horsepower, 9-speed automatic. What else can you tell us? Well, this is their three-row crossover, which is now the, I guess, let's see, XT4, XT5, XT6, third XT model. Uh, It bridges the gap between the XT5 and the uh, Escalade, which everybody is uh, very familiar with. Um. It is... Is it similar to the Acadia? It's Traverse, right? Is it Traverse or Acadia? I'm not sure. Uh, one of them has longer wheelbase. The Traverse is I think longer it's Traverse. than the yeah. Traverse is stronger than the Acadia. I haven't been in it, but just from seeing it sitting there, it looks yeah, more it, like the Traverse than the Acadia. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sure it's Traverse. But, um, yeah, so I actually spent some time in it in uh, D.C. and then was able to drive it back here to our headquarters. Uh, but in that time, I spent some time in the second row, which uh, I usually don't get to do, but I was pretty shocked at how much room there was Greg back is there. very tall. Yeah, very tall Greg. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, a lot of headroom back there. Um, as far as width-wise, no problems. Leg room was great. Third row, uh, you know, I, it's hard to justify any third row, especially if you're above average height. Uh, this was no worse, no better than any other mm-hmm. ones. If you need to get people back there, you certainly can. Um, there's USB ports everywhere, not just the the traditional Type A's, but the Type C's, which, um, you know... I don't even know what that is. As, yeah, it's just <laughs> as we progress in technology, the Type C's are the way we're going. Um, a lot of standard features, um, a lot of standard safety features. So it is a General Motors product. A big thing with them is like sound deadening. So it's quiet inside. Part of that is with standard uh, active noise cancellation, which is actually like using noise to cancel out noise. If you've ever had Bose headphones, and this is a Bose system, you'll you'll understand. And then there's things like uh, available night vision. Um, uh, let's see. There, there's an air, air ionizer, which we've seen in like Mercedes and BMW. So they're definitely trying to pack that luxury in. Um, but it comes at a cost. The one I drove home was uh, seventy-one grand mm. for the Sport. Did it look that much different than other GM SUVs built on that same chassis? And I'm thinking particularly of uh, of the uh, the Buick Enclave. I mean, did you feel like you were in no. something special? That's an easy answer. No, it's uh, it feels like a GM. I don't I I don't want to make it sound like it's a terrible experience in there because that's not the case at all. It's just it's very familiar to GM. I don't think it 
really separates itself that much from a GMC or a Chevrolet. Um, the rumor is that it is, it's a temporary vehicle or a short-term vehicle. I could They've de- got something else coming that will replace it, but they had to fill the niche right I, Yeah, I could definitely see that, and I get that impression. Um, and it is the Traverse that it's closest to as far as structure. Right. It certainly looks different. I mean, it's got that huge Cadillac grille up front. Mm, yeah, oh, yeah, the s- did, style uh, department for uh, sure. Um, but just there, there's a certain feel I can't really put my – finger on it or come up with the words for it i know exactly what you're talking about when i saw it at the auto show i got in it and i looked around and you looked at things like the door pockets and some of the switch gear and you thought unlike lincoln who is basically every model they bring out they have pretty much made sure there's absolutely nothing in common to the ford uh counterpart that you touch and feel gm hasn't quite gotten there yet Mm. it doesn't seem yeah so um as far as driving it goes it is it's comfortable the uh, like you mentioned before uh nine-speed automatic transmission which i've found no faults with it's really smooth and even downshifting down a couple of gears wasn't a wasn't a big deal which it can be for transmissions with that many gears um so i mentioned the sport trim which is what we have right now it actually has its own all-wheel drive system that you can't get Mm. on the uh, premium luxury which um, uses a, it's a twin clutch unit that can distribute torque individually to each wheel, so it just enhances I, some. I think uh, that's a first for that chassis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it? it's not. I don't know. I thought the Acadia had something similar. It may have. It may oh, okay. Have. Anyway, if you want that all-wheel drive system, you have to get it, and it's standard on the Sport model. I think they were smart to do it. It's a good-looking vehicle. They needed something in that case because a lot of people that want three rows don't want to go up to a big body and frame Escalade. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, like, like you said, it, it it's probably not going to be there forever in this form. But, uh, yeah, I do think it's a pretty good-looking vehicle. Yeah. I don't think you can fault it for that. Um, and 71 yeah. in that price in that size class is not crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I feel maybe Except for us because <laughs> we, we're still thinking – I mean, I see Cadillac, they want to compete against Mercedes and BMW and all that. And we're still thinking, you know, up-level GM divisions. So. I still uh, – I don't know. I, I think Cadillac buyers want the prestige of that Escalade, though. You know, well, I'm that's not why sure. That's so well. Yeah, I'm not sure they're looking for a non-three-row. Especially with the rumor uh, out uh, Non-Escalade. now that they're talking about the uh, redesigned Escalade may include a 400-mile pure EV version. Mm-hmm. So, Whoa. Yeah. And I, yeah, one last comment is yeah. the um, – we've all mentioned the Cadillac Q system over the years, which yes. is gone. And they have this new system, which incru- includes the um, the center controller that we've seen in other luxury models. Is it models. better? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used it yesterday, and um, it's it's much nicer. There is a touchscreen. You're free to use the touchscreen if you want to, but yeah. there's that whole idea of uh, you know redundancy, which mm. which is nice, and everything works well. And I think it doesn't have a massive screen like we've seen in other um, car makes, but it doesn't really bother me as long as it works well, and it does. Let's move on now to uh, cross town to uh, Ford Motor Company. Uh, 2020 Ford Explorer, a very widely anticipated vehicle. Um, Kyle, you've had the first experience with it. They've got a wide range of engines, including a hybrid. It's moved uh, back to body on frame. It, actually, it's a unibody, but it still has a, a uh, I'm sorry, it's a unibody. I just got everything completely crossed up. <laughs> it's moved back to a truck-like layout of being a rear-drive uh, architecture from the front-drive architecture they had before. 
It does not have a frame. It's still a unibody. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us more before I get myself into more trouble. <laughs> so, yeah, I um, was out in Oregon and got to drive around all the models from, you know, the hybrid model to the ST to the standard base, XLT, all that good stuff. I spent most of my time in the hybrid model since – it kind of most people were curious about that. And that's going to be ones. the standard uh, fitment for the police version as well. I believe yeah. so. And um, I got to say, you know, it, was a, it surprised me. I thought the hybrid, uh, the hybrid model was going to be, you know, relatively underpowered and just underwhelming kind of as a whole. And it really wasn't. And I got to drive it on the off-road course that they designed. And that's where it really surprised me. And with uh, – just up and down the hills through some swampy sections that they set up for us and around some pitched corners that were, you know, bringing the car over to 22 degrees and the thing never felt like it was shaky or never felt like it was going to lose traction or get stuck anywhere. And uh, definitely, definitely was impressed by the vehicle. I know due to some comments online, one of the things most people are upset about is the price point. The base model, just the bog standard, starts around thirty six grand. And that's a four cylinder turbo. Uh, yes, that's a four cylinder turbo. But mm-hmm. then when you start moving up, the hybrid model starts around forty eight. The ST model starts starts around forty eight. Starts around forty eight, and the ST model starts at fifty four. So um, if you want to see the comments, they're on the Boy, first drive video, and that's what people are saying. They're not too happy about it because people are assuming that they buy it at $54,000 for the ST model, and in three years, it'll be worth half that. So that's, well, that's well, the fear. Well, that's true with any, any car. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah I mean, that's, that's hardly a, a point. But I think mean, you, you look around, and your run-of-the-mill three-row uh, SUV, mm-hmm. you know, without getting any special performance or luxury, starting mid to high 40s. Yeah. But, you know, that's usually pretty fully equipped, especially yeah. with something like Kia or Hyundai. Yeah, like if you if you were to move up to the XLT and really start throwing a lot of bells and whistles into it, it'll be about forty two, forty three thousand dollars. Driving dynamic wise, did you feel? I mean, this is a unibody with uh, rear drive architecture, so it, it doesn't have the frame like you know all of the uh, the early Explorers did. Did you feel any difference in driving it than you would of any of the front wheel drive vehicles that you drive here at MotorWeek and, and SUVs? Every day, did I mean, it, did I, it I something think, tell you that it's a different experience, or will people feel completely comfortable? I think people will feel completely comfortable. It um, it it didn't really feel like it stepped away from any of the driving dynamic feels that you'd get in any other you know front base or front wheel drive architectured vehicle. It was just just good. To be so, do <laughs> you think that's mostly because you're still dealing with a unibody? I mean, you know, probably, have, yeah. Any questions, anybody? How about rear, our rear seat, second and third row, uh, uh, leg third, room, and so forth? Yeah, second row is uh, definitely plenty of room back there. Very comfortable. Did you um, crawl into the? Third I did. Row? I crawled into the Good second row, and I crawled into the third row. And um, I'm not the smallest guy in the world, and the third row was pretty cramped for a full size adult. So, was there anything special about how the seats moved to get you back there? Not that I remember, but I apologize. It was quite a while ago at this point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're excused. Anybody else? <laughs> questions? I mean, this is a big deal vehicle. They've got uh, – mm-hmm. this is – you know, they've, it's kind of like their new star. Yeah. Did, yeah. I mean, go ahead. I was going to say, do they discuss, like, anything about take rate or what, what they're expecting to sell the most of? Because – so the the 3-liter EcoBoost is in the ST? Yes. 
and is it in anything else like is it a detuned version anywhere else or like- uh no actually the st has its own specially tuned version that it's, ford yeah, racing did two different versions of the three liter yeah yeah, gotcha, yeah, yeah. three different so okay. then uh the, the 3.3 hybrid though is not turboed no it is not turbo mm-hmm. and actually don't they use that engine i think they're also selling that 3.3 liter without the hybrid and like just fleet sales or something like that that i do not Could know be. the answer to yeah, it's, uh, they seem to be trying to cover all of the bases. And what I think is notable about this is the fact that right out of the box they're offering a hybrid because Ford has basically said they're going to offer some form of electrified model on mm-hmm. everything, every redesign they do. I don't think the pricing's that bad. I mean, any three-row crossover now is going to be forty grand plus. So, um, yeah, if, if you want to spend the money on the ST, you know, that's on you. You don't have to. That's going to be something special yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think they want to limit <clears throat> sales on that to be like a Halo-type vehicle. But uh, I don't think the price, pricing is that bad. Yeah. I didn't Especially think when it was you consider terrible. it's going to get discounted like crazy, probably. Probably. I mean, that's the one thing that we sort of sometimes ignore, that some brands, like volume brands like Ford and Chevrolet, you tend to, dis- tend to get much better dealer discounts than you would at some, you know, luxury brand from overseas. Okay, let's move on to another vehicle, sort of a sleeper that ends up being one, you know, one of the last uh, quote unquote station wagons that you can buy, and it sells very, very well for Subaru. We're talking about the 2020 Subaru Outback. Ben, you've had first experience with it. Is it a legacy with a square back, or what is it? That is a good question. I, I'm, I'm not sure if I. I went way north California to to figure just that out, and. Um, we're in our sixth generation here in the Outback. Um, it's super rigid now. We did an mm. extensive amount of off-roading. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was in the 2.5 liter for that. And while the numbers don't look super impressive on paper, 182 horsepower out of a 2.5 liter, the torque was in all the right places. And I tell you, the terrain that we crossed is more radical and longer really? than most Jeep events I've ever been wow. on. We were off-road for like two hours. <laughs> And we were sc- With stock tires, did they tell stock you? Stock everything. Oh, yeah, my. we were scraping. Uh, it, it was weird because I believe they are Mercedes original tires, MO uh-huh. tires. They have the MO designation. Oh, they do. Okay. So they're used on right. Mercedes. But, man, we're scraping the front of it up, scraping the back, almost taking paint off the sides, just beating, beating them to death. <laughs> that's um, pretty unusual for yeah, no, that's a, awesome. a super, cool. That's awesome. It was pretty awesome. cool. I got awesome footage. Anyway, the two-and-a-half liter, it's got adequate power around town. The torque's right where you want it. It's, it's not a barnstormer. Um, if you want to go that route, the 2.4 turbo is definitely your cup of tea. Um, I was most impressed on the Outback is it's got 18-plus gallon tank. And in the two and a half liter, that gives you about a six hundred mile range. Nice. And that's just awesome. Um, we're a we're a we have a fourth generation Outback, and I have to tell you, it's a terrific vehicle. And I'm sure it wouldn't even begin to measure up with some of the capabilities of this one. Very useful without yeah. basically getting ob- obnoxious about it. They don't get too radical in their yeah. redesigns. I mean, it's very evolutionary. It's just what Subaru people want. Um, Did you like the big screen, the big tablet? I thought the big tablet was awesome. Looked straight out of a Tesla. It was easy to use, and there was a really nicely placed redundant buttons. It still has its volume knob, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and it incorporates into the HVAC system, but there's still um, buttons that you can push for uh, for changing your temperature, warmer or colder, mm-hmm. which I think is great. Yeah, Just easy, quick buttons that you 
you want. But yeah, I thought it was great. It looked awesome. Even the um, that is an optional unit, but even the base uh, stereo looked pretty cool. It had just a split screen, but it still retained the same buttons. Is the is the base unit? much smaller or how does it fit does it fit in the same area it fits in the same area but it's uh two separate screens oh, okay and so it's like thir- uh probably two-thirds of the way down it's just a separate unit but right it still fits that same footprint i only saw it in pictures they didn't have one there for me hmm. to look at but it looked you know it looked good and it yeah, you know, it's they they get a, a lot of use out of the Outback. It sells very very well for them. So well, why are they able to sell wagons when no one else can? What is, what's so great? It's a good it? question. Well, because they call it a wagon, but it doesn't look any different than anybody else's SUV, in my opinion. Just honestly. slightly lower. Yeah, I mean, there's really not that much. Difference. I mean, roof wise, I'm not talking. Am I crazy in saying that? No, no. no I mean, yeah. yeah. No, we when when our household <laughs> bought one, we were replacing a Volvo V70, and as soon as you put them side by side, you noticed how much beefier the Outback was. It was certainly taller than the Volvo, had more ground clearance. It just looked like a slightly shrunken SUV. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like it's not like the old family station wagon hugging the ground and six miles long. So it, it's but pretty. But Subaru beefy. makes all those crossovers yeah. as well, but people still uh, like the Outback. Yeah, sure. Do. Yeah, in my opinion, everybody else just started making stuff that looked like Outback and calling it something not a station wagon. Uh, that's that's <laughs> pretty much close. Thanks, Ben. Let's move on now to our lightning round, where we've all got about thirty seconds, or whenever we get tired to talk about an automotive topic. Um, here we go. Hyundai unveiled its redesigned Sonata Hybrid, and it comes with a solar roof to help charge the battery. Hyundai estimates it can extend driving range, get this, over 800 miles in a year, which equates to just over two miles per day. Is this a gimmick, or is this an early look at future how we keep electrified cars charged? That's pretty awesome, but I must say that this, while it sounds new and awesome, Mazda Millennia had something that, like this back in the day. That, There's been a couple of people with solar panels. On yeah. yeah. They've been integrating them into uh, RVs. They were like HVAC systems or something They've been, like that. yeah, integrating them into RVs, making entire roofs out of solar panels for a while now just to charge the batteries, yeah. not to not for any type of hybrid. But, yeah, it's absolutely the way to go. We use the space. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, when you think about it, you've got all that unused real estate, not only the roof, but many times over the trunk or the extended back of an SUV. Yeah, you can put in a panoramic roof, but why do you really need all that glass? I'm, I must say I'm not a huge panoramic, panoramic roof fan because most people drive around with only two people in the vehicle. Seems like wasted use of the space. Yeah, but. I mean it's easy to get on them now because it's like just two miles a day, and that's if it's sunny out, you know. But that's it's just Something. the yeah, it's yeah. a necessary step we need to take. Mm-hmm. Suppose you park it. Yeah, and this is a question which I don't know the answer to. If you're parked, say you've used your hybrid to go to the airport, okay, and you've drained the battery down, the car's sitting there outside for four or five days a week. Will it charge up the battery at that point? I would assume it would. You'd hope so. And therefore, that to me, that's much better than fighting for, uh, well, I guess, in this case, it's not a plug-in hybrid. No. It's just a, a, just a regular, regular hybrid. hybrid. Yeah. So it may charge so up makes, your hybrid battery, but yeah. your 12-volt won't start it because it's, it's had to keep that working for four days. <laughs> 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 yeah. But anyway, I think it is a move forward. That's a good one. All right, let's move on to Steve and our viewer question. Okay, Steve. 
Steve has noticed that the base model Toyota RAV4 has a 1,500-pound towing capacity, wazoo, but the spec sheet for the Adventure grade lists 3,500 pounds, and that's what, excuse me, I think that's what we have in now. Choked up about it. They both use the same engine. Some minor mechanical differences. Is Toyota lying about the towing capacity of the base model to try and upsell customers? Or can these minor mechanical changes double its towing capacity? That's really not a new thing. Well, yeah, first of all, you can't buy the base anything and get the max towing capacity. With trucks, anything. you got (coughs) to upgrade. As far as the RAV4, it does come with an oil cooler, uh, which helps transmission cooler, which... You know, a lot of your wear and tear issues come through the transmission. Um, so the, that helps as well as it has the more sophisticated all-wheel drive system. There's two different all-wheel drive systems with the uh, uh, RAV4. That one has the more uh, sophisticated system, I guess, which uses the rear uh, driving a little more, which helps with towing. Um, I think that would be the major differences. You know, I can see. It probably doesn't take a whole lot more than uh, an extra transmission cooler to to say you can tra- you can tow that much more. I mean, yeah, and truth be told, yeah, truth be told, you could probably tow thirty five with the regular one, but Just I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. And you probably avoid the warranty. Anybody else got anything to add? No, Robinson you know, you is the t- resident. You want to tow more? <laughs> you got to pay more. It's pretty much simple. All right. Thanks, everybody. Brian Robinson, Ben Davis, Greg Carlos, and Kyle Scanlon for joining us today for this Motorway podcast. Also like to thank our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, who always makes us sound better than we should. Greg, of course, is our podcast producer and our podcast creator, Bob Mixter, the man behind the curtain. Thank you, too, for watching Motor Week on public TV stations and on the Motor Trend Cable Network and for listening to our podcast, for viewing our website, for going to our YouTube channel, all of that, so you can be a part of Motor Week. We thank you very much. Till next time, I'm John Davis. For all of us at Motor Week, thanks for letting us be a part of your motoring life. You've been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.